Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one comforting page of Talmud every day. Listener, I don't know about you, but I am uh, what could probably be described as a gentleman of noble proportions. And the one thing that has always kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable about the whole Seder business is the notion that we had to recline. I never really knew how to recline or how to get up once I reclined, or how to recline in a way that was even remotely comfortable. And yet, in today's Daf Psachim 108, reclining is where it's at. Have a listen. And some say it in that manner and claim that, on the contrary, the last two cups require reclining, as it is at that time that there is freedom. However, the first two cups do not require reclining, as one still says we were slaves. The Gemara concludes, now that it was stated so, and it was stated so, i.e., there are two conflicting opinions and it cannot be proven which two cups require reclining, both these sets of cups and those require reclining. I would like to welcome, to help us talk reclining and drinking and, and Seder and celebration and everything in between, one of my absolute favorite people on earth and let me tell you this, a lot of people fret about synagogue attendance and what we could do to get people in shul. But if you visited a shul as I have and saw Rabbi Willie Balk right there making sure that every kid had these amazing Parsha in a bag contraptions to take home on a Thursday night to make the Shabbat that much more engaging, you would understand that all of our problems are solved. All we have to do is find 14,000 more Willie Balks and we will be fine. However, there is only... One. And so welcome to the show, the one and only Rabbi Willie Balk. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. There is so much we could talk about. I really see you as a kind of a master of, of making the religious experience more welcoming, accessible, approachable, warm. But today we're talking Seder and we're talking reclining, as I confess, something that I never quite knew how to do or as a large man felt particularly comfortable doing. Tell us what the deal is with reclining. Where is it coming from? How are we to think about it? Is it something that we should still do? Or is it one of those highly symbolic kind of like, you know, lean to the left for a second and you'll be okay? I definitely understand the uh, reclining anxiety. I sometimes have it myself for make, remembering to make sure to recline, making sure I recline to the proper side, making sure that I have something to recline upon, making sure I have the you know the fanciest pillow in the house uh, <laughs> to put next to me, or if a chair has a back or a chair has arms, just putting it in the right spot. There's so many written rules and unwritten rules about making sure we get the reclining just so in order to really fulfill our obligation, so to speak. Reclining really has to do with eating like royalty. You know, it's hard for us to imagine contemporarily, but royalty would eat in a certain way on these, you know, fancy couches. They would eat reclining as, as a way to show the luxury of what they were doing. You mean they would not sit on crammed, uncomfortable little bistro chairs <laughs> in tiny little cramped restaurants with 700 people shouting in their ears? Not like that. Typically not. Not those $7 amazing folding chairs from Ikea that right. I love so much that I have in my apartment. Nobody talks about getting a big fancy chair to make sure they're reclining properly and reclining well. But uh, it's done sort of to promote this idea of royalty. This is a regal evening, and we, although we were slaves at one point, now we are free individuals, and we are able to eat in a manner in which, as slaves in Egypt, we could only really not even fathom about. I wouldn't even necessarily dream about, but really just it was so far away, I would imagine, from the collective minds of the people as slaves in Egypt that it's 
It's just something that they couldn't have imagined. So for us today, even though typically we don't really eat like this today, I can imagine maybe this being detrimental. So if you're really leaning over in a certain way, making sure the food gets, you know, that goes down the right way. But that's what we do. That's what we do. And I think it's just one of the ways that we sort of incorporate the idea of doing things a little bit differently on the Seder night among the cacophony of things that we do to sort of show that the night is different, the night is unique. Whereas uh, even though we consider ourselves to be free individuals today in, in 2021, even amidst the pandemic, which has sort of stifled some of our uh, attempts at normalcy or what we would usually be doing, it's among the things that we do to show those around us at the Seder, whether it's our families, our immediate families, or in other times where we're able to safely gather together many, many more people, to remind ourselves that this night is different. There are so many different unique facets about why the night is different and why we do these things to make sure that those around us know that the night is different. And it's not only to show, oh, this night is different because we do all these different things and we lean and we lift up the matzah and we put the matzah down. Sometimes if you put a tent inside of your house or you'll sit in a different way like you, you wouldn't usually do. We do all these things to remind us of God's miracles and taking us out of Egypt. We're supposed to remember that every day, but we don't have all of these different unique opportunities uh, to ask questions and to bring the questions more home than we do on Pesach. And that's it's, it's one of the most important nights of the year where we're able to uh, not only come together, put our distractions aside, but really have an opportunity to discuss the exodus from Egypt, not only what it meant at the time, but what it means for us today, how that unique event so long ago is still resonates with us today and is still and I absolutely love this notion that, that you just brought up of, of freedom, because even though, yes, you're, you're correct, thank God we're free today. And yet so many of us, you know, we're taking our meals on every other night of the year are so even on Shabbat are often so hurried and, and preoccupied and kind of, you know, engaged in this worldliness concerns and worries and affairs. And here is really one night to say, you know what? Tonight we really eat like royalty, like free people, like people with no care in the world because we have this miracle of the Exodus. And this miracle is an ongoing miracle reminding us of our potential to be free, even if in so many important ways we aren't yet. Rabbi Willie Balk, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Take One a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.